I'd prefer you to be alive at the end of this podcast interview than uh, than anything else. Generally speaking, that is my view as well. <clears throat> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast, the first of 2020. So, and I'm very excited. We have been lining up a whole load of new interviewees because we realise there are people from outside the Northwest that have interesting opinions. And so we are delighted that our first guest of the new year is uh, Sheila Ritchie, the MEP for Scotland. How are you doing, Sheila? I'm great, thank you very much. Happy New Year to all your listeners. Happy to, Happy New Year to yourself too. Did you have a good New Year? That's important. Absolutely great New Year, thank you. So God, 30 years, a whole bunch of us have gone away together, nearly all Liberals, and we just did it again, and it was great fun. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for, for coming on, and I know you'll be extremely busy with everything that's going on in your, sad to say, final month as an MEP, unless something really dramatic happens. Um, but we'll just talk, I mean, just in case some of the listeners don't know, so you were a, a consultant uh, in a law firm, you've then, you've been also a local government leader in Gorton uh, District Council, is that correct? In Gordon, yes. Yeah. A long um, time ago. And then and then obviously you uh, were elected last year as the Liberal Democrat MP, MEP, beg your pardon, for Scotland. So, well, let's just start off with things. So, what... The end of last year was really tough. I think you described it in, on your, on Twitter as you were feeling quite exhausted and that we need to bounce back. So how are you feeling right now about the situation the Liberal Democrats are in? Well, I mean, I think... The, I don't think the party's in a great place. I, I feel a sense of, of there being a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, I think people are pretty fired up. Um, I think we were all completely knackered by the end of the election campaign and of course that's made worse by having a horrible set of losses yeah. or or it wasn't it wasn't so much losses as the sense of all the things that we didn't gain except for those of us who unfortunately managed to mislay our leader in the process yeah um but i i actually have the sense that people are firing in all cylinders there's lots of ideas there are people who want to make things happen um there's quite a lot of uh desire to analyse what uh, went wrong, and I think that's absolutely vital. I hope we can do that in a not-too-destructive fashion. Yeah. Um, but I, I would think, and we, we've got a whole bunch of by-elections, council by-elections coming up in Scotland, yeah. um, some of which have been caused by the general election, some of which are, are independent of that, and I think there's going to be a huge amount of work to do, and we have to capture that energy and make sure that it's it's pointed in the right direction. It, it pretty much, I mean, to me, uh, uh, being campaigning locally like yourself, and it felt like 2019, it never really stopped, did it? We had, obviously, we had locals, <laughs> then suddenly we had, suddenly we had the European elections, and then a general election, and there was all the, the fight to see what was going to happen with regard to people's vote and getting geared up potentially for that. So, I mean, Christmas, I think a lot of the Dems, you're right, are fired up and want to do something, but also we just needed a little bit of a break to recharge our batteries as well. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and personally, in the run-up to Christmas and, and even through it and into New Year, I find it really exhausting to... I'm actually quite unhelpful to deal with the people that I will call the armchair activists who yeah. hadn't been um, busted in quite the same way as some of the rest of us had. Yeah. Um, to see them expressing their perfectly justifiable opinions yeah. um, very, very forcibly 
in circumstances where I just wanted to lie in a darkened room. Yeah, and, um, and a lot of people very certain about their opinions, but actually yeah. do very little to make sure those opinions ever become policy and enacted. That, I mean, I, I put a tweet out the other day saying, maybe we should have a digital rule for every tweet you put out you should go do some doorstep canvassing and, <laughs> and actually we'll see how well the Lib Dems then do um but so I mean so what is so what do you think the greatest challenge for the Lib Dems now is an internal one or is it the fact that we need um how, or is it a marketing thing how we're getting across our message why what is the next step for the Lib Dems well, I, th I think we have to do a certain amount of naval gazing. Um, we've spent the last three and a half years developing and honing one message, which in the final analysis didn't work. Mm. Um, we, the, the benefit that we have out of it is 35,000 plus new members. Yeah. And I know we will have lost a few since the general election, but from what I hear, it's not that many. Um, we need to keep those people engaged, keep those people active, the ones who, who were active, and obviously a lot of them were uh, very much of the digital uh, dictators. Um, but we have to keep those people active. We have to keep those people with us. Um, it, it will, I have no doubt we will work out which of them are actually Liberal Democrats yeah. and which of them are simply anti-Brexiteers. Yeah. Um, we need to keep engaged with the first category and if, if if we can, convert the second category. Yeah. And I think we have to do all that at the same time as, well, my, my own view is not so much repositioning ourselves as positioning ourselves where we ought always to have been yeah. um, in the big scheme of things. I, I think we have to ask ourselves some hard questions about the way we went about the campaign. Um, and, and the reality is we have to come out fighting on as hard as we possibly can, firing on all cylinders. We, we have tons and tons of work to do. And certainly in Scotland, with Scottish um, uh, parliamentary elections next year, there's yeah. absolutely a view that we need to get people selected and we need to get on with the job just as fast as we possibly can. Yeah. I mean, I'm not one for... We do need a... a I hate using the word period of reflection because that seems to be the buzzword people use now. But it, was there anything in, in the campaign that you particularly thought that we got slightly wrong i'm not after throwing anyone under a bus or anything like that but is it because like i said there's enough people who do that online anyway but is there anything in particular you thought the campaign went slightly awry um i think we made two strategic errors um and the i think we need to find out why if the appropriate testing was done how we dealt with all of that um i think the two errors were not, not, and I, you know, I'm on the federal board as well, so I, I have to have so my fault. hands up. <laughs> it is well, exactly. It is my fault. I signed up to both of these at the point at which they were adopted, but in midsummer, when we were looking at really quite dizzy polling numbers yeah. and um, having high numbers of seats looked viable, I think the whole um, going for government thing looked pretty okay it was very it's very very clear to me that it was no longer okay um before the start of the short campaign yeah. and why we hadn't changed our position i really don't know and it's um, do you think that's an internal structure of the lib dems that actually because one of the great positives of the lib dems we are very democratic we have almost a million structures in place before any policy comes in place you think we're sometimes too too stuck to those rigid kind of pillars of our of our group 
Uh, I don't think that's historically been a problem during election campaigns. We we tend to allow the director of campaigns to be a bit of a dictator. Yeah. Um, I'd like to know what was happening, and I don't know yet, and I've no doubt it will come out in the review. I'd like to know what, what was happening with our uh, private polling, uh, and I'd like to know why we were not sufficiently fleet of foot to capture in the national sense what all of us who were on the doorsteps understood was happening out there. That whole thing played very badly to the people who took the view that Joe, and I don't believe this for one second, you understand, Mm. but there was a lot of Joe is too arrogant, she's too full of herself. Um, In Scotland that plays out because she's got a slightly posh voice and the nationalists play the whole thing about her being a, you know, yellow Tory. Um, and, And it played very badly to that, and I think that we should have captured that at a much earlier point as well. And I just, I, I really need to understand for myself what was happening with our private polling. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's kind of. I'd like to move on a little bit to talk about your work as an MEP, if that's okay. Sure. <laughs> because obviously, you, you know, fantastic when you got elected last year. So, I mean, what has it been like being an MEP for the last uh, few months uh, in Brussels and Strasbourg? I think it's the best job in British politics. Um, it's been you can make such a difference as a backbench member of Parliament in a way that you cannot either at Holyrood or in Westminster. There's tons of stuff that you can do just by um, putting your head above the parapet and making friends and making and the the whole ethos of the place is about compromise and consensus. It's not about confrontation. Um, it's well resourced uh, and, and it's not, there isn't an assumption that if you use the resources that the parliament make available that you are, well, Somehow on the green train, yeah, yeah. scrounging, exactly. And and it, it's, um, it's fantastic to be able to do that. And it, on top of everything else, it is such a loss yeah. that we have, have, have lost the capacity for people like me to be able to do those things. I've spent a lot of time kind of trying to be in a position to move forward and now we're going nowhere yeah so i mean as as an me we because you've because you've been a, a local council leader and an mep you know that they are two wildly different kind of atmospheres you're dealing with but i i take it the mep is your is your proudest achievement or was it actually actually the more local government element of it uh i think there was a lot more in terms of personal achievement getting elected as a councillor was much more to do with me. Um, My proudest achievement in the party context is being elected as an MEP. But let's not kid ourselves. Mm. In outer Dumfries and Galloway, they have not got a clue who I am. And that was a party vote. And it was the party machine that delivered that vote for all of us as MEPs. So I, I, I feel pride in what I have succeeded in doing uh, in the Parliament, I feel great pleasure in what I've succeeded, succeeded in doing in the Parliament in the in the seven months that we've been there. Um, my personal pride in being elected and making things happen was much harder on the council, but it wasn't nearly as much fun. Yeah. So, so how and how has the response been? I mean, I take it you go. Are you going back to Parliament this week? Will this be your your first week back? Yep, we go back. I'm back on the train tonight. And what kind of reception are you expecting post the general election and knowing that we are probably going to be leaving? 
Well, well, we've already had that. We were there for a week um, before Christmas after the general. And it was it was actually very, very difficult because we were hugely um, sympathised with. Every time somebody put their arm around you and said something sympathetic, it, it was really difficult not to cry. And there were a huge amount of, of tears shed on all sides. The amount of support that we've had in the Parliament since uh, since July across the parliament has been enormous and there are a very very few a very small number of pretty much all right-wing people who are keen to see um britain out of the out of the european union united kingdom out of the european union because of course we're losing northern ireland as well yeah. and those those are the people who frankly i don't care what they think because no. they are not my people no, and there's, and it's it's a very difficult situation since the general election because I've got several conservative county councillors and stuff, act, acting very cocky and strutting around saying, "Ha ha, we're and it's kind of we're in a kind of awkward situation because we don't want Brexit to be a disaster because that's people's jobs and livelihoods and and everything else, but you also want them to get they have to own it. They have to own everything that comes their way now, the Conservatives and the Brexiteers, and it's a very difficult balance we've got to uh, to get in the, the pro-European parties. Um, I, I think that's true. I, my, my own view is I, I will not go through this um, saying, I told you so. No. Um, no. I, I think that's not helpful for anybody, and I think we have to care about what's happening in in, in Britain, in the world. We have to we have to work to make things as good as they possibly can be. Um, that is not going to be achieved by um, poking our fingers in people's eyes and saying, it, it, it's your fault, you did this to us. Um, I, I think that will be relatively obvious. I'd like to think that the press will report it, but of course they probably won't, no. in as much as they've got everything else wrong in the last three and a half years. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things we do in this podcast quite a bit is actually we talk, uh, try and help new campaigners or, or inexperienced campaigners try and get into politics. And because you're you're very unique, being a local government leader, an MEP, so you've got a, a unique perspective. On it. What would be your your best advice to someone who's getting started with the Lib Dems, who wants to try and make a difference locally? <laughs> um, I think th- th- there's two different things. One is, doesn't matter what you do so long as you have fun. Politics is not meant to be a grind. Um, Pick something, pick an achievable target and go out there and achieve the target. If the target is um, one more leafleter before the end of the month recruited, great. And have fun when you're doing it. Go to the pub, have a drink, go and have a coffee, go and have a slice of cake. Whatever it is that floats your boat, um, do that and, and just have fun. If we're talking about people who want to make some sort of career out of politics, um, whether that's a paying career or a, or, or a voluntary career, then I, I think work out what it is you want to do and make those things happen around about it. Um, get yourself selected. Um, make pals, network, talk to your chums. Mm. Absolutely. I, I mean, I joined the party in 1980 and I joined... ALC as it was in 1981 and today I am still phoning friends that I met in ALC in the early 80s all over the country to say got a problem here any ideas how I should approach this yeah and and that network has been absolutely invaluable to me 
And I think young people are really bad at it because they use social media instead of making human contacts. One of the good things about the ALDC and their conferences, or the na- even the national conferences, which will be coming to York, is actually it does give you an opportunity to meet like-minded people mm-hmm. and recharge your batteries somewhat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It gives you a fire up. One of the things I always like to ask people, if you could enact one policy tomorrow... Regardless of anything else, what would you do? What could, if you could click your fingers and a policy would change in Britain, what would it be? I'm allowed two. Go on then. Because, Go, it's, because it's there's, a new two, year. There's, there's two answers. Um, the single thing I would like to see changed in, in in Scotland, in Britain, is I'd like to see adequate, decent housing. Hmm. It's just such a core issue for people everywhere. And we are rubbish at it, and we've been rubbish at it as long as I've been involved in politics. Um, The thing that we need to change in order to make all the other things change is the electoral system. Um, So an actual hands, feet on the ground policy, let's fix the housing. Uh, How do we fix everything else? Let's change the electoral system. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, I think that they would there would be two that would come up probably fairly regularly because. But it's interesting one about housing because, obviously, from a, as a local councillor and a lot of our campaigners come up an awful lot with this issue. But how does it have to be a series of publicly funded housing projects that have to go forward? Because we've seen, like I said, we've been rubbish at this for ages because we've thought house builders and developers would take the lead, and they just don't. Um, the reality is the profit motive that doesn't translate into into affordable housing unless it is public support. And I'm not a huge fan of putting public money into private profit. Mm. Um, if you can, I, I'm a great fan of housing associations and the, the movement is different north and south of the border. But I'm a huge fan of housing associations and properly funded housing associations absolutely have a role to play. Um, I'm not a great fan of subsidising house prices for uh, developers to take to, to continue to take the level of profit that they want out of things. Like the help to buy um, scheme, etc. Like the help to buy scheme. There are three schemes in Scotland which have different ranks on them, but they all fundamentally work in the same sort of way. Uh, and, and they don't materially diminish the developer profit, but cost the private purse. Um, it's it's not. I'm not opposed to them in uh, in any sort of ideological fashion. I just think you're going to spend that money. You'd be far better spending it on direct provision. And, and actually, it's been remiss of me, and I I and I, I really should mention it because obviously, being a Scottish MEP, the Scottish question has got to be dealt with at some <laughs> point. Uh, and I, I mean, my instinct is I think Boris will just ignore whatever the SNP call for. What, how do you view the future of Scotland in the next coming years? Um, I think it's an incredibly difficult situation to address. I think that at the moment, the SNP do not have a mandate to demand a second independence referendum. If they deliver either a vote majority or a very significant seat majority next year in the Scottish Parliament... I think it would be difficult to argue that they don't have a mandate to call for a second referendum. Um, I think that it is almost certainly it's almost certainly the case that um, I think that if we have if we end up with as we are going to end up with a customs union uh, demarcation line down the Irish Sea, that we will see Irish reunification in my lifetime, and I'm old, so that means quite soon. Yeah. Um, Today, 
I don't think that we would get a yes vote in Scotland if there was a second independence referendum. I don't think a sec- I don't think an independent Scotland um, delivers the changes that are necessary to make Scotland a better place to live in. Um, the one thing, the one reservation I've got about that is exactly what happens about Scotland and Europe. There is an absolute assumption in Brussels that there will be delivered Scotland back into Europe really quickly if we achieve independence. Really? Okay. Um, that, that everybody assumes it. Oh, well, I'm sorry you're leaving, but at least you'll be back again soon, the Scots. Oh, right, that, okay. I mean, that, that's said once or twice. It's been said a dozen times. But that's a powerful um, message for the SNP to, to be able to put out there as well, though, yes, isn't I, it? I'm not, I'm not sure it's true, but I think it is an assumption. And, and of course... The Europe will not talk to Scotland until Scotland is independent, so they definitely cannot promise that. They won't stop them trying, mm. um, but they definitely cannot promise that in, in a big scheme of things question. And the... Um, yeah, so... I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an internationalist. I don't want a line between Scotland and England any more than I want a line between the United Kingdom and Europe. I don't think it answers the questions. Um, I think there are better ways of dealing with it. Uh, I'd like to see a proper federal policy implemented, both in the United Kingdom and in Europe. Um, I think that's a really, really big thing to try and address and achieve. I was trying to think of, because you were like the first interview of the year, I thought, okay, what kind of question should I do? So I thought, let's do the old kind of job interview question of, where do you see yourself in five years? (laughs) Well, I am 62, so I think I've had my time. (laughs) Um, I'm still chair of the Scottish party for the next two years. In, In five years' time, I'd like to think that I will be the campaign manager for a winning candidate to take back Gordon for the party. That would be good. That would be good. Um, and so we, we, we also, you've mentioned it already in this podcast, and me and Richard have mentioned it in previous ones, about switching off, getting time to recharge your batteries and relaxing. So what do you do to relax when you're outside of politics? I did see a post, I think you were playing bulls in the rain on Boxing Day or something like that, which seems, uh, seems I don't know if that's relaxing or not. <laughs> uh, that particular one was enormously relaxing. Now, I, I mean, that's, that's good fun, but it's actually quite competitive. Uh, it's not meant to be. My, my pal, Isabel, says it's the only game she knows that you can play with a drink in one hand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't really had any time off politics for the last 18 months. I am sitting looking out of my window at a garden that's going to hell in a handcart, and I would really quite like to have... Uh, bit of time to get back into the garden, uh, get the weeds down under control, and yes, I find that relaxing. Brilliant. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it, because you are chocolate, and you, like I said you're heading back to Brussels later on this evening. I have my final, almost desert island disc sort of question, but it would be, if you had one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? And don't give me a diplomatic answer, like it has to be haggis because you're from Scotland, or something like that. What would it be? Well, speaking as a vegetarian, it's unlikely okay. to be the offal of a sheep in oh, any so That's, that's, that's my terrible research. How did I not find out that you were a, a vegetarian? Well, probably because I'm a liberal and therefore I'm not particularly evangelical about my points of view. Uh, I really like nut roast. Decent sauce. Nut roast, mustard sauce, good green vegetables, roast potatoes. 
Awesome. Brilliant. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on uh, on the podcast, uh, Sheila, and have a wonderful start to the new year. Enjoy your trip to Brussels this evening, and no, just and from behalf of myself and all the listeners, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for asking me. See you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. So that was our first interview of the year with uh, with Sheila, and thank you so much uh, again to Sheila for speaking to us. That was a really interesting insight into how she feels, where the Lib Dems might go. We'll be doing a lot more of these interviews with other prominent MEPs and MPs and council leaders, because don't forget, we can decide the next chapter of the story. If you're a bit fed up, you're a bit tired, you're a bit knackered, you have local elections this May... And you might be thinking, oh, no, I just can't be dealing with knocking on doors. I went out four times canvassing last week, and there is no election hang-up in regards to voters for Lib Dems. There's something interesting going on. We did get a lot of Labour-leaning people switching to the Tories for the general. These voters, who have always voted Labour, have now voted another way, which means they may have broken that lock that Labour had on them, meaning from a local level, that is an opportunity for us to say, actually... We are the people on the ground representing you. We would be the best councillors for you in this area. So go out there, keep knocking on doors. Remember, little victories, do something every week. In the meantime, you can make sure you subscribe to this podcast at, um, on Apple, on Google Play, on Acast, on, or wherever you get your um, podcast from. Um, you can follow myself uh, at John Potter LD. Follow everything to do with the podcast at, at LibDemPod. Please follow Sheila. She is on Twitter at EuropeSheila. Um, and also she has a Facebook page and everything else. So she give her some... Uh, kindness and some love for coming on the podcast we really do appreciate it thank you so much for listening welcome to 2020 we've got lots of these interviews lined up i actually started off i thought well i'll i'll email you know the the mps as 11 of them and uh well i'll do the meps and you know the 16 of those and i'll do some of the council leaders i have been really impressed with how many of these people have agreed already to come on to the lib dem pod so we're going to have a series of some fantastic interviews going on but if you do have questions for our meps for our mps for council leaders what difference can are they making what difference have they made then fire your questions to either myself personally or even better go onto the lib dem pod facebook page and twitter feed and throw us those questions what would you like to see me ask those people in the future i'm completely open to helping out and having different views reflected on this podcast so thank you so much for listening please subscribe to the podcast please give us a like and a rate and please share it among other lib dems the more people that listen the more um the more joy and lib demery we can share among you so thank you very much and we'll catch you next time